Quirky Cooking Chats. I'm Jo Whitten, your host, and I'm really happy to have you here in my kitchen with me today. This week, we are going to start off with a chat about teenagers and also kids and how to get them eating well. Um, but then we're going to have a guest on the program, my son Isaac, who is going to join us and talk about his own personal journey through learning to eat well, um, going through the ups and downs of diet changes and not wanting to change your diet and also just the whole, you know, being a teenager, it's difficult to um, be different from other teenagers. But he's going to share with us what he found helpful in his healing journey, um, what he's learnt over the last, oh, it'll be about six years now since he started um he did the GAPS diet from 13 to 15-ish, maybe 16. Um, and then when we were easing off the GAPS diet, um, of course, he wanted to try everything again. So he's had ups and downs, but he's 19 now and he's learned to really take responsibility for his own diet. So I thought it would be great to get him back on the show and just give a little bit of an update, but also for him to answer questions that other kids and teenagers have, because we do get, well, we get a lot of parents saying, um, can you please speak to, um, speak about these things for my kids, but maybe it's better if another teenager talks about it rather than an adult, because as we all know, kids don't really, well, especially teenagers don't really want to hear what mum and dad have to say sometimes they want to talk to their friends about things. So I said to Isaac, if you could possibly come on the podcast and chat about your journey and what you did and what helped um, from a teenager's point of view, that would be great. So he agreed to do that. So he's at work at the moment and I thought, well, before he gets home and we have a chat and answer the questions that have been sent in, um, I might just give you some of my tips as a mum for what I have found helpful for my kids At the end of this video and podcast, I'm going to um, add a couple of clips of my kids cooking um, just to show you some things that are, you know, easy for young people to make. Um, If they're not super confident in the kitchen, there's some really easy ideas, but also just to show you how much fun it can be to all get involved and um, have some fun in the kitchen together because, you know, that's what... If, if we show our kids that um, eating well not only makes you feel better, but it can be something that's enjoyable, um, and if you can have a bit of fun with it, even better. All right. So before we start today, I just want to remind you all that there is both the podcast version and the video version. So you can find the podcast on any podcast um, apps on your phone. You can go to the Wellness Couch website and find a quirky, sorry, quirky cooking chats on the Wellness Couch. And you can also go to my quirky cooking YouTube channel and you'll find all the podcasts there. Um, The quirky cooking chats podcasts, which I've just started doing, also have video. Okay, let's get started with some of the most common questions that I get asked as a mum. First of all, how do we even start to change a teenager's diet or a young person's diet when they're not always on board? 
Um, I should start with a little bit of a story. Um, when we needed to change over to the GAPS diet for Isaac's health, um, the kids weren't excited about it, as you can imagine. So Isaac was 13, his older brother was 15, his older sister was 17, and the little sister was 11. And um, we'd been eating quite well, like we had been eating mostly a whole food diet for years, um, mostly gluten-free, a lot of grain-free foods, um, mostly dairy-free because we most of us reacted to dairy, especially me, um, and low sugars, natural sweeteners. But having said all that, um, it's difficult to stick to that with young people that are always out and about and at friends' places and at parties and at camps and sleepovers and all of that kind of thing. It's it's hard to stick to a strict diet unless you have a really good reason. Um, so, you know, and I did want to have a little bit of flexibility in there for them. I don't like being um, really dogmatic about food because I think it's not great for um, kids to have a viewpoint of bad food and good food. I just wanted them to have the idea that um, we need to keep our food as close to nature as possible. And yes, now and then you can have something that's a bit of a treat and it may not be especially good for you, but don't overdo it. So that was sort of the way we did things. And um, the problem is that the treats got a bit out of hand and our gut health wasn't good. So those two things together um, caused a few issues. So that's why if you've heard Isaac's story, um, you'll know sort of where we were coming from. Actually, I'll let him just do a recap of that when he comes onto the podcast in a minute. So, um, we were having our ups and downs and, um, I had to pull it all back in quite tightly, um, to help Isaac to heal. And at first, the kids, there was a few slammed doors. <laughs> there was a few cranky teenagers um, because they wanted to keep having their bread and their ice creams and their treats. And I said, I'm not buying any of that for a while. I'm only buying the food that we need for healing. And we're having those kind of foods. That's all I'll have in the house. Um, if you want anything else, you'll have to go and buy it yourself Um and you'll have to make the money to buy it, so you need a job. And none of them had jobs at this stage, and none of them had licenses, so it's awesome. It's a lot harder when they've got jobs and licenses. And we homeschooled. So we did have times when they were out and about, but it was a lot easier than, say, if they were at school every day or they were, you know, doing their own jobs and driving everywhere. So we did manage pretty well with pulling the diet back, um, but I know how hard it can be for many people to begin changing the diet. So here's a few of my tips as a mum, and then we'll, when Isaac comes on, he can answer them from a teenager's point of view. All right, so firstly, don't try to change everything at once. Don't go hardcore unless it's like a super important, um, like just say you've got a child with an anaphylactic allergy, yes, you have to straight away cut off that food um, and avoid it completely. But if there's not an anaphylactic allergy, if there's just you're working on gut health, for instance, and you just want to improve the diet, take it slowly and gently. You're much more um, likely to have success 
if it's a sustainable, gentle approach. Um, so I really recommend crowding out the unhealthy foods as you bring in healthier options. So instead of saying, okay, we're not having, we had to do a little bit of a hardcore approach once we got to the stage where we needed it, but we built up to that for 15 years. Um, so we were slowly adding in more and more healthy options. And I'll talk about that in a minute. I do have a podcast that also helps you to understand the importance of really gently bringing in changes to diet and why the hardcore approach does not work and sometimes sets you back further because the stress of it can actually cause more issues than, you know, than you expected. Um, You can be eating a perfect diet, but if you're so stressed out by that diet, it will actually cause you to get sicker. So if you um, go down to the show notes below, you'll see a podcast called Um, It's podcast 148 and it's navigating parasites, metals and candida when healing. And I know you may not have any of those issues, but the principles that Elise talks about in that podcast are so good for anyone wanting to change their diet, Um, talking about the importance of going slowly. Um, The next thing as a mum that I found really important was modeling a healthy diet for my kids so they, teenagers especially may argue with you, um, they may rebel, they may fight it. Okay, they're their own person. They end up having to make their own choices, but you keep on working on your health and keep modeling a healthy diet and lifestyle for them. And what you do will influence what they eat and how they think in the future and how they look after themselves, even if they don't get it right now. In the future, they're going to remember what you taught them by the way that you ate and the way that you lived and the way that they saw your health improve. And this is even true with family and friends that are not on board. Um, We had a lot of flack at first, well, over the years, it seems like forever, um, from people saying that the way that I did things was too harsh and too crazy and um, that there was no need for it and just eat good things in moderation, like eat bad things and good things in moderation, like just have a varied diet and you'll be okay. And, um, you know, it was hard for me because I was the odd one out because I had food intolerances and food reactions. And so I had to be quite strict on myself. And, um, as I learned and worked on my health, Um, I just had to learn to do it quietly and on my own because no one else was really on board with me. And over the years, my health's changed so much that those same people have come back to me and said, you were right. Um, It's amazing to see how much you and your family have improved over the years. And um, yeah, you did, you did the right, you made the right choices as a mother. And I was like, Thank you. But you don't have to wait for people to give you that um, acknowledgement. Just know in your own mind and heart that what you're doing is for the best and for the good of your family and for your own health and just work on yourself and don't worry about what anyone else thinks about it. Um, They will often come around in the end, but if they don't, as long as you're getting well, it doesn't really matter. Anyway, I've noticed that 
as my health improved, my kids noticed that. I remember them saying things like, mum, you look so much different than you did a few years ago. Um, you look so much better. Um, they see that I'm not as stressed as I used to be. They see that my anxiety levels are so much less than they used to be. Um, they see that I'm exercising more, that I have more energy, that I don't have to have a sleep every day. Um, they see that I don't even need to snack constantly like I used to. I used to have to eat every two hours because I was really underweight and undernourished, but I couldn't get that nourishment because my gut health was so bad. Um, so now I'll often fast until lunchtime and have two meals a day and no snacks and it doesn't bother me. It makes, it actually feels good. Um, so they've seen that change in me. And instead of me being really stressy about diet and you will do this and you will do that, I've tried to keep it quite calm. And, um, you know, we, we pulled in when we had to and then we were more flexible once we could. And that really has worked the best, I think, for us. Um, just being me being quietly persistent with healthy eating and not making a big fuss about it and just bringing in those changes slowly. Um, and I think it's really important to keep mealtimes happy and um, enjoyable so it's not a fight every time you sit down to a meal. Um, one of the ways that I do that is try and have a variety of foods that, you know, everyone will like something. Um, <laughs> I know you can't always please everybody, but I make a main meal and then I have condiments and things around that will change it a little for different tastes. For instance, sauerkraut, um, different types of breads or grain-free breads or muffins or cheese puffs or something like something like that, that for the people that want the bread side of things. Sometimes nowadays I'll have a bit of, you know, rice or um, mashed potato or something like that. Then I'll have things like pickles and olives and butter and sour cream and cheese. So they're all there pretty much always in the fridge and um, we can sort of add them to meals to make them um, more appetizing for the different tastes in the family. That's just a, um, you know, that's just a little tip that you might like to try. Um, but really just keeping mealtimes fun and happy. Um, I remember when we were on early gaps and the food choices were very, you know, there was a small variety of food choices. Um, I would do things like put the gaps milkshake smoothie thing in a pretty teacup for my um, she, how old was she then? 11, 12. Cassia, she's my, she's my daughter that loves pretty things and she's very artistic. And, um, just putting her, um, her, uh, smoothie or juice or something in a pretty teacup and setting up the table all nice and having some flowers and maybe a candle, it set the mood for her to be happy and then she would drink it. Whereas she may not have if I just gave her a cup and said, drink this. <laughs> so it's about creating an atmosphere of joy and peacefulness and calm as much as um, creating healthy food. All right, so another tip for you is with your shopping habits, um, gradually change your shopping habits so that you don't buy anything that you don't want them eating. If they're going to eat something that's not nourishing and not great for them, then, like I said, let it be on their own head and they can do it when they're not at home. <laughs> and hopefully they will learn to appreciate the better food the more they have it at home. Um, 
Yeah. So even with my husband, who was definitely not on board at first, um, I would only provide the foods that were healing and nourishing at home. And I said to him, if you want, you know, all the other sweets and muesli bars and breads and cereals and things that you want to eat, you'll have to get them. And he never usually does the shopping. Um, and this is your little part of the pantry. It was just a little cupboard. And I said, that's yours there. Put your stuff in there and no one else is allowed to touch that. And um, so that's what he did. But he gradually got used to the way we were eating and then he stopped buying all that anyway. So it's just a case of being patient, not nagging, just being quietly persistent and just doing what you can do to provide nourishing food for your family and for yourself and then trying not to stress if they go and make other choices as well. Um Keeping up with the cooking can be difficult, I know, but um, if you prepare ahead, chop heaps of veggies at once and get them in bags in the fridge. Um, that makes mealtime so much easier. Do bulk batches of meals, so two or three times the amount of bolognese sauce you would need for a meal so you can freeze some for another meal. Um, I would often just throw things in the slow cooker or on the stovetop in a big pot um, some meat and water, salt and pepper, onion, garlic, let that start simmering, start chopping veggies. When the meat's soft, add a heap of veggies. And then if you've got something like that in a slow cooker, it can stay warm for a fair while. And then um, if you've got a couple of different meals sort of on the go or ready in the fridge or some things that they can easily grab, I find that that cuts down on the snacking and the sweets because they will – my kids especially, I found they'd come home from work or sports or something like that and they're hungry. And if there's not a meal ready, they'll go for snacks and they'll go for sweets. But if there's a meal ready, if there's chicken and veggies ready, they would always choose that over anything else. Um, and don't worry if it's not the proper times for a meal. When you're first getting started with this, just have good food available so that that's what they will choose when they're hungry. And, yeah, Simi still does this. He's 20. He comes home from work at about 4 to 5, usually around 4, and he will always warm up something left over and have basically a small meal at afternoon tea time or late afternoon, and then he'll eat dinner later. Um, because he's used to that now and he just eats a lot because he's six foot something and never stops eating. <laughs> so um, if there's no good meals in the fridge, like meat and veggie type meals, then he starts looking for snacks and then he wants, you know, he wants to stop at the shop and get stuff. So I find it just makes, um, cuts down on a lot of rubbish food by having meals available. Um, we do have, I do have some information um, if you need help with bulk cooking and prep and stuff like that, and I will put the link below. All right, so if if you've got kids going off to a party or a social gathering, um, it depends on the type of party, I know, and, and the age of the child, And um, but as much as possible, I would try to feed them really well before they went and then send some things with them that they love and that their friends would enjoy as well and that's still healthy um, so that they can share with others there. Because I think, you know, if they feel like it's a community thing, they're, they're um, sorry, a peer, 
It's hard to explain. Um, you know, when kids go to a party or something, they want to be eating what everyone else is eating, basically. Um, that's just human nature, isn't it? And so if I give them something that they will really enjoy and they will enjoy sharing with their friends, that really helps. Sure, they're probably going to have some other stuff there that I didn't really want them to have. But at least if I know that they've had something good before they've left and they've taken something good with them, um, that will help to cut down on the load of sugar and whatever else from a party. Um, so, yeah, things like uh, really delicious grain-free cupcakes or cheesecake or chocolate mousse, um, biscuits, mini meatses or pizzas that are made with healthy ingredients, barbecue chicken wings or legs, um, grain-free cheese-based pizza that's really delicious, homemade peanut butter fudge, um, co- chocolate or coconut cream ice cream homemade, um, pancakes or pikelets with roasted berry jam. I've got heaps of recipes if you need ideas, um, but there's so many good options that you can buy now as well. Thankfully, you can look in the um, health food shop and see if you can find some good options. If you have any um, questions about ideas for kid food, um, healthy kids food, please feel free to ask in the Quirky Cooking chat group on Facebook because a lot of people in there are in the same boat and they will answer you with their ideas too. Another thing I try to do is explain the root cause for health issues um, to my kids. So if something's bothering them like acne, eczema, weight gain, dental health problems, mood swings, period pain, anything that teenagers go through, exhaustion, anxiety, depression, um, hormone issues, all of these things have root causes. And kids don't want to be uncomfortable and depressed and feeling sick. And sometimes it isn't until they start going through something like this that they say, I need to do something myself. I can't um, just continue on the way I'm going. And at first they may argue with you that food has nothing to do with it. Most of us get that argument from kids and friends and family. Um, but if you can show them how food affects the root cause of their, of their health issues, um, that's a really good start to helping them to understand why they need to change their diet. And kids can really struggle um, with things like body image, especially as teenagers, and things like acne, eczema, weight issues, um, stuff like that can really can really make them um, struggle with life. And it can be for for one of my kids, it was a really major cause of anxiety. Um, so helping them to work through those issues. Um, not just with diet, but also counseling if they need it, um, with, um, all the lifestyle changes like getting out into the sunshine and swimming in fresh water and, um, getting their movement and exercise happening, joining sports teams, all of that kind of thing. That's what really helped with my kids. So they're more likely to get on board with diet and lifestyle changes if they, know how those changes will help them personally. Um, I found it also really helped for them to hear stories of other young people who had been through similar issues 
and come through it and what they did. Um, even adults that have been through similar things and come through it. And that's what really helped Isaac because we would listen to stories of people online or read them, um, people who'd been through anxiety, depression, OCD, and what they did and how they came out the other side because it gives them hope and then they can start really um, having that motivation to start working on it themselves. One thing that I taught my kids when they were really young was how does this food make me feel? And I know it's difficult if it's a new concept to listen to your body and if you're bombarding your body with unhealthy foods, it takes a while for that fog to clear as you start eating healthier. But soon they'll start to understand that certain foods make me feel good, certain foods don't. Um, and my youngest, Cassia, learned this quite young um, by going to a birthday party, stuffing herself with ice cream, hot dogs, milkshakes, lollies, and then vomiting all over the floor in the person's house. So that was rather embarrassing. But she learned the concept of some foods um, you may be able to get away with a little bit, but if you have too much of them, you're going to not be um, feeling well. So that was actually a really good lesson for her. Um, so, yeah, I think whenever I've seen the kids react to foods or they've been to a party and the next day they've got a cold or they're sick because um, they've just pigged out on lollies, I always try to gently say to them, how do you think, um, how are you feeling? Do you think that the food could have had something to do with that? Or just trying to get them to think about it. Um, and I know that again they can push that away for a fair while but as they get older like you'll see when Isaac um, starts to chat about his ideas um, it'll finally click all right also it's really good to show them the ingredients in in the packets and the lollies and the treats and things that that you're trying to avoid um, and help them to understand what those ingredients are and what to look for so that they can be proactive when they're out and about looking for something to buy at the shops. They can know what those different ingredients are. We did a, um, a bit of a research on chocolate. So if you look at cheap supermarket chocolate um, and look at the ingredients and research each one of those and then look at really good quality chocolate or homemade chocolate, um, you'll see a really big difference. And I did write all that down if anyone wants that sometime. But it's it's quite interesting and it makes you go, oh, okay, I think I'll choose the good one. Even if it costs more and it means I have to have less of it, that's also a good thing, um, I will choose the good chocolate. So helping them to understand labels and understand what's in their food. Also, it's really helpful if they will join in with the meal planning even if they just choose a meal each per week that they would like to have in the meal plan and obviously you give them some guidance on some ideas and help them to look through some cookbooks um, and let them choose something and also help with writing the shopping list and cooking the meal if possible um, because they're more likely to eat it if they've chosen it and they've had something to do with it. Keep meals simple as possible. Um, don't don't get too fussy with food because most young people like simple food um, and get them involved in helping with it. 
Um, I've got plenty of ideas for that as well. If you have special needs kids who are really averse to any changes, um, I've put a couple of podcasts in the notes below for you. So play therapy for fussy eaters. That's with an occupational therapist. Um, fussy eaters and how to have peaceful meal times. That's another really good one. So have a listen to those. But just remember, stress trumps all. In other words, no matter how healthy your diet is, no matter what wonderful food you're cooking for your family, if you are completely stressing over the food and you're stressing your family out by, um, you know, making a really gigantic deal of everything and being really intense about things, or if you're running yourself into the ground, trying to make all your food perfect and you're putting a big strain on your bank account, um, trying to buy everything organic and you're just generally freaking out too much over food, you will find it really difficult to move forward with your health because the stress will pull you back. And you'll also find it really difficult to get your family interested in making changes because they just want to push away that stress. They don't want that intensity. They don't want that stress. And so they'll rebel against the food. And that's just a natural thing that we do as humans. If someone stresses us out over something, we don't want anything to do with it. So just be really careful to have that gentle approach and that flexibility and, and just remember that um, just because someone uh, messes up with their diet once or twice a week or however many times, as long as you're getting those good nourishing foods in at home as much as possible, you're still doing some good. You're still going forward. So just do the best you can and, and um, try to have fun together with food like you'll see in the videos at the end of this podcast. All right, I'll get Isaac on now to answer the questions. We've got quite a few. And if you have more for him, feel free to write them in the comments below and I'll get him to answer. Okay, thanks guys. Hey, I have Isaac here. Hello. He's looking a bit shell-shocked. He's been having a nap. <laughs> it's been a big day. Um, so he's popped into the kitchen to answer some questions for you guys. So I'm going to read some questions to you and then we can chat about them. Sounds good. Okay. So Kate has said, first up, Isaac, you're one of the inspirations for our household whilst we are on our GAPS journey. So thank you for sharing. Thank you very much. How do you deal with social pressure to eat normal food? I think this has been asked quite a few times in the readers, uh, listeners' questions. So that's probably a good place to start. Um Probably especially when you first started GAPS, but even now, just in your, you know, whole food stage, how do you cope with the peer pressure? Well, it's it kind of comes down to it's going to be difficult. It depends on who you surround yourself with. And um, try and it, I get that it's not that easy that you just go out and find friends that are going to accept your ideas. Um, it's not that easy. But if your friends are just going to leave you because you won't go out and eat ice cream and, and um, go out for, you know. Junk food. Junk food, coffee, Macca's. go out to Macca's after work, whatever. <laughs> then you're just going to have to. some better friends. I mean, it's, it's, again, yeah, it's not, that, it's not always that easy, but it's just a matter of prioritizing your health and what you want in the long run over what you want right now, which is some Macca's. But, <laughs> He but it's, it's, he wants palaf. Yes, I do actually. Um, yeah, so it's it's going to be difficult. Um, what about? But try and find, and if and you, you know if you've already got friends that are like this, then that's great. You're um, lucky. Um, when you were like younger and you were on gaps, um, what like. 
for instance, when you went off to play sports or you went to people's houses, um, do you remember how you felt with all of that? Yeah, um, they. I was very lucky again. Like my friends, they would they would get up early. They'd they'd make me something really healthy, and then you know I'd I'd, I'd you know go and have bacon and eggs for breakfast. And I was this was like when I was on full gaps, and they'd go and eat, drink eat their cereal or whatever. But the fact that they would do that for me, like not all friends will do that, but hopefully you'll have a group of supportive um, friends that will be able to help you with I that think sort of one stuff. One thing that really helped is that you explained to them why you were doing what you were doing and they understood that you needed you needed to do this because of your um you know your struggles with anxiety and OCD yep. and because they are true friends they supported you in that exactly and i guess if you're um you know if you're young and you're at school and you don't have those kind of friends that really want to support you um you just need to know why you're doing it you've got to have that reason why because otherwise you won't stick with it. It's the same it's, for adults. It's so, the same it, for anyone. Yeah, it's really, it just comes down to putting what you want in the long run over what you want right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's going to be, yeah, you just got to try and Push find, through. yeah. <laughs> Do the and be prepared as well. If you're prepared, like going out to sports, like mm. you say, bring a thermos of, of, of like slow-cooked food. food or something. Um, and for me, I did futsal for a couple of years and I, I, we had like these thermoses. I did leave one or two there. Yeah, no, we worth like 30 again. bucks each, but, um, but anyway. But uh, yeah, my bad. <laughs> but you got better. But anyway, yeah, it's it. if you come prepared, it helps a lot. Um, and that just means spending that extra time preparing, cooking good food. And, and generally that's mum. Mm. Yeah, but good. we did try to have food to take with us wherever we went because it just helped um, with cutting down on that need for we need to buy something now. Mm. Um, and also if it's if it's a party or something like that, but like I mentioned in the intro, um, taking food that you can share that others will enjoy. Quite often, yeah, it, you'll there'll be things that are healthy that they'll also enjoy and um, they'll make comments. You'll hear this a lot. Oh, wow, I didn't know healthy food was delicious or something yeah. like that. <laughs> There'll be certain foods that you'll, well, you'll really that'll healthy, be your go-to it's snack. That's actually quite nice. Yeah, exactly. That's what I always got. You'll you'll find your uh, there'll be go-to snacks and food that you'll that you'll be able to take around the place, and that'll just be easiest for you to cook. Um, whether that's ingredients, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Do you ever go off course from eating? Healthy? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so between 2016, when I came off gaps, I'm going to be dead honest here. You don't be mind dead that. honest, no. Between 2016, uh, September 2016. No, October 2016, when I came off gas. Um, and about a month ago, I have been off and on eating whatever I want for a while, feeling anxious, getting pimples, and then get pulling back on my diet, starting the supplements again, getting off sugar, going back onto whole foods, and then feeling good again. And then it's a cycle. It's been a constant cycle since I got off gas. Constant battle. And, and that's, that's normal. Adults have the same struggles. It is, it's always going to be a struggle. You're going to have times where you're going to just give in, which I'm not saying that's a good thing. Try your best not to. And if you have better willpower than me, that's great. Um, but you've got to keep your goal in mind. You've got to keep what – how much happier do you feel when you're healthy, when you're feeling good about what you're eating, um, you don't, you don't have brain fog. You don't have as much acne. You don't have as much whatever, whatever it is that you're trying to, mm. to get rid of because of your health. You just, as much as you can think about how important that is over, you know, so it comes, quick. comes back to the why again. It does. Yeah. Why are you doing it? So yeah, it's not going to be a perfect and certainly not for me. That's, that's. It's always a roller coaster, but. Right. Um, 
I think what helped for you is you'd done the hard yards and you'd really lowered the um, the level in the bucket. So Absolutely. It's kind of like- and if you have to go back on a diet for even just a few months, do it. Don't be afraid to go back and make that plunge again because you're lowering that threshold, like you said, with the bucket. Mm-hmm. Um, after I came off GAPS, I was able to have dairy again without any symptoms for the first time in my life. Um, again. Okay, you get the idea. Anyway, I, ever since I was a young kid, I would drink things like rice milk because dairy would give me issues. Constipation. Yes. Um, <laughs> and coming off that, sorry, coming off gaps, being able to have dairy again, raw cow's milk, not raw, but you know what I mean, just cow's milk in general. Well, if you can if you can get raw milk and you have your own cow, um, that is the best. Right, but, but in general. Otherwise, at least not the homogenized. Yes, um, but yeah, dairy in general, I can now have without any, any health issues, issues and symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, I can eat gluten, but I have breakouts and it's the same with sugar. If I have sugar, I feel really, really, um, tired. I get really bad sugar lows and I get breakouts on my face. So those I try and avoid. Um, at the moment, I'm not having any of them. Um, being good. He's for clean. At the moment. <laughs> it's good timing, good timing. <laughs> that we're doing this. No, um, he's been really working on this and he's, mm. and he's seen the difference. Like within one week of three really, comments, people on, on three on my comments skin, from just, people at work on his clearness of his skin. So that's, so that's in one week. Well, yeah, you'll, you'll find that, that you'll, it's not always about what other people think, but it's, it's more so you'll just find there's these things in your life that you're like, this is makes me want to keep doing what I'm doing. You know, this mm-hmm. wants me want. This is making me want to stay off sugar. Whether that's your energy, whether that's the ability to, um, mm-hmm. I found it well exactly, and just in general, just feeling better. Mm-hmm. You're again, you're going to find that you just got to remind yourself of these things. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and how did you get back on the healthy food wagon again? So, yep. Mm-hmm. So that was just um, wanting to clear my face up again because. <laughs> It's annoying waking up and three or four new big pimples on my face. So that's that's the biggest struggle at the moment. Um, and in other times, it's been anxiety. Mm-hmm. So the anxiety's come back a little bit. That's, you know, never been as bad as it was. Quite a few times over the last few years, he said to me, Mum, i got to pull back on the sugar. I'm feeling anxious. And yeah, so it's gotten. When we say sugar, we're talking about even things like coconut sugar, rapadura, maple syrup. He copes well with honey. But the um, the more processed kind of sugars. It, yeah. See, I think for most people, or maybe a few people, depending on on what your health is like, you can have things like coconut sugar without too much trouble. I ha- I was during the COVID stuff. I was in. I stayed at home for like a week and a bit, and the whole time for about two weeks, I had no sugar, no no coconut sugar. Most I was having was honey and a no bit. snacks when you were because you weren't because I wasn't going out <laughs> to the shop after work or anything like that, yeah. and so. Um, my face cleared up really well. And then I had coconut sugar in chocolate pudding that I made. And then the next day I had a breakout and it's like, it's just coconut sugar. But it, again, it just depends on. Yeah. And that's all learning to listen to your body and learning what foods do to you. Mm. They may not do to someone else. And I know it doesn't seem fair. (laughs) I've had to say this to my boys so many times, but we just want to eat, be able to eat like everyone else. I'm like, I'm sorry, but you probably never will be able to eat. Just anything you want because it's sad, but but you you need to people need to realize that eating junk food isn't always going to be isn't going to be the thing that's in your life that's going to be making you the most happy. So if you if you can understand that you can be eating healthy food 
and be going on with your life and having just as happy of a life as anyone else. That's a big thing. Yeah. That was a big thing for me. Yeah. Because you don't have to, you, you fear of missing out on the parties and the birthday parties and the, you know, social gatherings with your friends and, and whatnot. But it, yeah, if you try and put that fear of missing out aside, which is not, it's easier said than done, but. Well, generally when you go to a social gathering, there's something you can eat. And I always make sure Quite often. Like, if you go and buy stuff from the shop or Sometimes I make you have to go something. Hungry, Sometimes you do. Sometimes you do. Okay, so what impact has GAPS had on you in your life today? Um, I'm off medication. So that's the big that's the big one that, that the sort of I like, used to advocate GAPS. By the time um, you were like 14, I think it was. Yep, so it was yeah. 14, just turned 14 a couple of months after. Mm. And I came off um, my medication, which was a very small dose like half a tablet a night of, of, of a antidepressant. And um, that was what was helping me sort of crutch my way onto gaps off of the, the bad stage of OCD that I was mm. in. And um, I came off that almost immediately. My, I noticed I, I was thinking uh, clearer. There was a bit mm. less brain fog, which there are going to be side effects to medication. Sometimes you have to take it, but try and minimize that amount of time if you can using things like diet. Uh, and you'll notice that using diet instead. Anyway, we healed the gut, and oh, in just a year of of being on gaps and healing healing the gut, I was able to come off that. So that's the big thing that I sort of say to people when they're like, "Why did you do gaps? Like, did it actually help you?" I say, "Yes, I was able to come off medication instead of mm. increasing it." Well, another person said, um, asked in the questions, "Why would you do such a harsh or such a difficult? I can't remember if you said harsh or difficult. I'll find it in a minute. Diet as gaps." Mm. Um, did you find it harsh and difficult? Yes, especially towards okay. the start. But <laughs> but only only this only the first three months, which were intro. Intro usually mm-hmm. takes about a month for most people. For us, it was three oh, months. Sometimes it takes a lot longer. Oh, well, that's true. Mm. Um, but I got interested in it, which which helped. I was very interested in the process. Each week, each stage, I was very interested in in um, in everything, and I sort of memorized what I was going to have in the next five days if I if my hay fever went away or whatever. Because with gaps, as you as you're going through the stages, you get you, you feel a little sick. Sometimes you might get a bit of a cold and you've got to wait a few days till you're feeling completely happy and healthy and then you move on to the next stage. And that's why it took so long for us because mm. I had was having a lot of issues. It took, but, us, it took us a good six months to get completely out of the intro. Um, wow. The really, yeah, the really strict stage was probably only about a month, Yeah, um, so the first couple of stages. But then when we started to be able to add in a few of the later stage foods, um, that really helped it to not seem so hard. And by then, you know, by a month's time, we were like, oh, this isn't actually so bad. that's the thing. <laughs> after after you get back on your, the necessities and what you feel like, you can cope from day-to-day life, going back to your sports, going back to your school, um, uni, whatever you're doing, work. Um, you Once you get to the point where you can take things around in a thermos, you, get, you have some snacks, some things you can bake that are part of GAPS. Mm-hmm. It gets to a point where you just whatever used to it. I was able to go to my friend's place and cope. They had eggs. That was the main thing that I found <laughs> yeah. easy. I got in trouble by my um, gaps coach lady for for doing that for having too many eggs. for having too many eggs. Sorry, Leah. Thank you for helping me with that. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I I had I was obsessed. I would have like five a day. But you're not supposed to at first. But there were lots of there, you'll find that there are uh, um, you'll get to a point where you can cope with daily life a lot easier than when you're first starting when you're on intro mm. when you're in the die-off and everything like that yeah. once you get to that point you can get back to your day-to-day life you almost no, forget you're doing no it deal. 
And you actually start to, like at first you need to eat so often that it is hard to leave home for very long. But um, as you heal and as as your body is nourished, you don't need as much food, you don't need as much snacking, and it's easier. Yep. The big thing is um, is, uh, coming off of that because once you feel like you're getting used to it, um, it's just weird being in the camera by myself. Um, once you feel like you're getting used to being on gaps and, and you're comfortable with it and you're going about your day-to-day life and you're not feeling like you're missing out on anything um, because of just the habits you've gotten into, the dangerous thing is to start letting things creep in. So mm-hmm. the chocolate, for me, it was heaps of chocolate, heaps of Cadbury because I, I miss that so much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was the big thing with Cadbury. And that was, what, that was the gateway to bringing all of the junk food it's back the gateway in. drug the gateway drug that's it it is a drug it is amazing yeah milk chocolate man yeah he doesn't see he doesn't really like the dark chocolate whereas i much prefer dark right if you prefer dark chocolate good for you but a lot of young people (laughs) don't so so that was hard for you it was and that was the gateway and then i sort of started having maccas again and off and on and then i just got to the point where i was working and i just went to the shop after work and got a snack and then sometimes i'd find the packets in his room and i'd be like what's Mostly <laughs> chips and chocolate. That was the big thing. That and occasionally ginger beers and things like that, just drinks. Yeah. So just be careful letting things come in. Um, if you can, if you're Keep able to. Keep the good versions. Right. Let the good versions Even if in, you're off not gaps. The, not so good versions. Keep the whole food versions. Exactly. In. If you're getting off gaps, um, just take it slowly, take it carefully. Don't bring everything back in straight away because you're going to see health problems come back. You're going to see mm. things come back. Not quite as quickly because you've healed your gut, but. It will Just be start careful. to affect you again, yeah. Yeah. Have you got any inspiring words for primary school kids? Um, you didn't really do it when you were in primary school, did you? Well, well we did. it was the start of high school, so mm. it was... We so did start working on health while you were in primary school. Yeah, that so, was back in 2013. Mm. Um, ooh. Listen to your mum. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, actually, that, that is probably a good, a good suggestion. Um... <laughs> Oh, mate. Yeah. If you think of anything, let us know. That's a difficult one, honestly. Yeah, I think um, for primary school kids, um, I know it feels like forever and it feels so hard, but it's going to fly by. Like if you have to be on a healing diet, the time will fly by and soon you'll be back on a lot of your favorite foods um, and you'll be amazed at how many of your favourite foods that were not healthy you can make in a healthy way. And if they get, if you get involved in the cooking a bit more, I think it mm. helps as well because if you feel you have more of an appreciation for for what you're eating, albeit it's different from what everyone else is eating, and it's more healthy, might not taste as good, but it's a lot better for your health. <laughs> it does taste as good. <laughs> well, when you're used to that high sugar, high starch, all of that, your brain doesn't quite at first at first but, but you're, you're used to it. it that's another thing too your taste changes you and so once your taste has changed and you're used to these this new diet don't bring all the sugar back in straight away or you'll be like me up and down up and down yes um but i as far as advice oh man just it i can i can see how it'd be very difficult but stick to it because it's worth it it end. is very worth it he's yeah. like like i had the kids at first not wanting to do it and then after we'd been on gaps a few months and we'd seen the big changes, they were thanking me and saying, thank you for um, helping us to do this. And they were glad that they Well, because most parents just put their kids on, on medication and they don't actually look into the root cause of things. Well, most parents don't know that there's an option. Not most parents, but a lot of parents feel like 
the only the only real option is medication. They don't realise the power of food, um, and it's it's not really taught by you know a lot of doctors, um, a lot of professionals don't really tell you how powerful food is. But and we it's so much about that for ourselves. Absolutely, yeah. That just needs to be more. It needs needs to common get out there and be it common does. knowledge. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we've kind of answered the next question, which is um, how the how being on this diet has affected his decisions around food, and does he go against it or stick it's to it? A bit of um, yeah, it, it's it's good to have that knowledge and the experience that because you've you've done it, you've done the diet, and you've um, seen the the results that it has. Um, so it's definitely affected my decision in that way because I, I know more so now to make the right decision because I know why I'm doing it yes. because of the experience. But that doesn't, mean it, that doesn't mean I don't mess up and I don't and I don't <laughs> um, make the wrong choice. Sometimes it's just what you, what's going to happen. You're only human. That's right. Um, Try your best. <laughs> okay, what age did you start? Oh, Kate's asking me, what age did you start letting your kids have free range in terms of food choices, and how did I deal with resistance? Um, I think it depends <laughs> on the context. Like if you're at a a party do you have free and range now. Not really. <laughs> you kind of do because those of us that are out, out that well, are that's out right. Working. You can go and buy your own food anytime, and I won't know. Um, but when they're younger, um, if there's not any major health issues, and you're at a party, you may say you can have two things or three things from you know the lollies and the cake and everything. But I also want you to have some of this. And so you've taken something healthier. Mm. Um, so you give them the option to have a little bit so it's not, um, you know, you're not being completely harsh and inflexible. <clears throat> um, but that's more for those who are not having major reactions to food. So with Isaac, it was, you know, having those terrible bouts of anxiety and OCD. So we had to pull right back for a while. And then once he was feeling better, then there was the, bit more flexibility coming in and like you said that can be an issue because then you start being too flexible but you just this is something that kids have to work out for themselves as you as you grow up you have to learn these things you've got to figure out where your balance is if you're if you've the perfect in a perfect world we have perfect self-control and we always perfect food we always feed the white (laughs) dog and not the black dog we always but it's gonna be there's gonna be times when you're gonna be very very tempted if you can, if you can resist that, that's great. But not everyone can every time, and so that's normal. and it is so. Don't normal. beat yourself up if you do mess up. But try and do the right thing next time. <laughs> Keep working on it. Yeah. Okay, Isaac. Um, Emma says we'd love to know what a difference Scaps has made to your mental and emotional health. Um, well, first of all, I feel a lot more confident socially that I'm not going to be going out and and repeating actions and doing compulsions. Um, and also mm, I just feel a lot more, I'd say that's just the main thing. It's just knowing that I'm so not going to So do you be... think that was where a lot of your anxiety came from? Well, that's what all of it comes from with OCD. Okay. The type of OCD I have is, yeah. is the fact that I have to, I have to, you know, I'm held back by the fact that I have to repeat compulsions constantly. So everything I do, um, if I don't have the right thought in my head while doing it, I have to repeat the action with the right thought in my head. That's how my type, the OCD that I have personally works. And a lot of cases are, are that way. Um, and the fact that it's dulled down now to a point where I can go out and do things and, and, um, live my life more or less normally is 
amazing. And the fact that I can do that without uh, medication um, is also amazing. And I think that's the biggest thing with, with GAPS. It's just the fact that, that I can go about a normal life, I suppose. Mm, and be happy and, and not be, stressed. Well, very, yeah, exactly. And, yeah, it's something you get used to um, living with something like this. But um, you, yeah, it's definitely helped so much. Mm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, like you said, even to just calm down the, all the compulsions and the anxiety and everything yeah. it's really helped with and, and the thoughts even like mm. you don't get as much of the obsessions which are the thoughts that cause the triggers mm. that cause the um, compulsions you get less of them so you have to deal you have to fight your compulsions less in general so it's just yeah. easier yeah. Um, and that's, that takes a lot of energy it does and and um, you get better at it the more you do it's like feeding the white dog it, you know the more you um, say no to a compulsion the more you don't turn that light off and back on again you know, the easier it's going to be the next time, but it, then you'll slip up and all that comes back. And the next time you try and do it, it's going to be 10 times more difficult. So if you have less obsessions in the first place, you're dealing with the root cause. You can, it's going to be a lot easier for you. And that's what gaps really did. It was, it just got rid of so many of the obsessions to the point mm. where I wasn't even thinking about sicknesses and disease and whatever else that, that was, I suppose, haunting me, you could say. Mm. Yeah. Well, oh, that's good. Um, they would also love to know, do you eat normally or limit gluten and dairy now? I limit gluten um, more or less if I can avoid it. I don't eat gluten at all. Now um, and then we'll have a bit of sourdough bread that has wheat in it. Yes. But it's sourdough, so that's a lot easier to digest. And as far as outside of the house, so inside the house, that would be it for gluten. Mm-hmm. Outside the house, if I'm at a friend's place and they offer me some chocolate or something like that that has gluten in it, Generally, I would say yes at the moment. No, but, but again, at home, pretty much nothing aside from the sourdough mm. and then outside of home, I'm trying to make it nothing and keep it at nothing, but it's, it, it can be hard sometimes. Thankfully, there's a lot of gluten-free alternatives Options. nowadays. And a lot of your cousins and friends eat a lot of those healthy options a lot, and gluten-free well, things now. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. a lot of – one of my closest friends is, is gluten-free. So that helps when you're, you've got a team, I suppose, going. And, and there's more – I'm not saying it's great to have friends that have health problems, but it's great to <laughs> – kind of is. <laughs> well, if you've like, got something in common, yay! it makes it easier. So, yeah. So definitely um, <clears throat> yeah. outside of home, I try to avoid gluten in general. Dairy, I just go nuts. I do not regulate my dairy at all nowadays because – generally it doesn't give me trouble yeah so like you say it's just the type of milk the type of dairy mm. fermented is best like yogurt cheese things like that and um a little bit of milk that's not homogenized. like you said before as well listening to your body and mm. with with dairy i don't see almost any issues so that's good because mm. he used to have major yeah, issues. big issues yeah absolutely all right so um what were your initial reactions to going on the gaps diet and did it take long okay oh <laughs> yeah we we almost had nervous breakdowns every day, man. It was, it was, it right was, first. <laughs> I was, I was the most childish, most childish point of my life. Um, no, but I was, yeah, freaking out at the thought of not having bread for two years, not freaking out at the thought of not having dried fruit for like two months. I, I remember one night crying because I couldn't have dried fruit. I was thinking about dried bananas. Oh, I wanted dried bananas. And then when I got on full gaps and was, I would eat them every day at work, which it, was not, his, probably not probably good, not good, good but, for me, but yeah, he did love his dried bananas right from yeah. a child. Yep. Anyway, so... So he survived. Somehow, yeah. Thanks to your cooking. Yeah. 
<laughs> okay. Would you recommend gaps for young yes. teens with anxiety issues? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. 100%. 100%. I, I'm glad I did this as opposed to keto or, or anything else. Looking at I think yeah. I think the, the deep clean, the deep heal of the gut, um, I wouldn't have yeah. gone any lighter. In hindsight, I'm so, sorry. Yeah, hindsight. Is that the right word? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very glad that I did the full nine yards and not just paleo for a few months and see, saw how I went. I'm yeah. glad that we did the full gut healing diet. Yeah. Okay. Um, Anita says, I'd like to hear him talk about rebellion and how he's come to realize that straying from what you've recommended doesn't do his body any good and how it makes him feel or react. Yeah. I'm glad you've, um, I'm glad you've touched on that because it is so tempting for young people, teenagers growing up and well, even before teenagers to think that they know better. And I did. And I still do sometimes, which is not good. I think we had a lot of arguments about, not arguments, but discussions about... Um, things that I had brought home, packets yeah, that she'd found in the bin. But also about things like um, how constantly being on screens doesn't help your sleep and um, well, all sorts of things like that. Yeah. Or caffeine and how he needed to stay off caffeine to help his sleep and he would always be like, oh, no, no, it doesn't really do that much. This is the thing. More often than misinformation, it's denial. Yeah. And that's that's what it has been for me. It's um, I'm currently in a state, when I'm currently in a state of addiction to YouTube or games, I will be like to mum, no, 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 I'm fine. Or I'm, I'm managing it. And then when I'm out of that, I'm like, oh, no, you were right. And it's just, it's been that way with everything mm-hmm. that she's told me about when it comes to food, everything like that. I'm like, no, you know, sometimes I am aware though with food that yeah. I'm having, that I like, I'll come home from a night out in Cairns or something with friends. And then, um, <clears throat> I'll be like, yeah, um, oh, I had too much sugar today. I'm feeling a bit sick, you know, and, and I'll I'm not going to have it for a few days. But it's so often that I think that, you know, I'm in the right and that, um, and I'm in denial. It's really denial. That's what it comes down to. Um, and they have to come to that themselves. Quite often, that they do have to stumble themselves and then see what they did, what they stumbled on, and what why, you know. That's just and, um, it's difficult to tell them. Um, sometimes they have to find out for themselves. For themselves, otherwise they're just going to keep denying it. <laughs> it's not very. That's not very positive at all, is it? No, but that's, um, that's all right. You're being honest. Um, this lady said her son is eight and struggles it, with anxiety and rage and some OCD patterns and mm. feels like something's wrong with him. Can you just give him some words of wisdom and encouragement? Because you know how it felt to be so different than yep. other kids. Um, While you're doing that, I'm going to keep working on the dinner, but yep. you, you talk about that for a sec. Well, first of all, spend as much time as you can with, with people who care about you. So um, for me, it was mum. And, uh, you know, spend as much time on her lap as you want. <laughs> you really just have to, um, it's the first, that's the first step for me is just being Call the M vitamin, mm. the mum vitamin. <laughs> um, you gotta, yeah, try and spend as much time because there are so many people that, that care for you. And, um, and knowing that there are people that, that, um, that might not be in the same exact position as you, but, uh, wanting to help you and wanting to do whatever they can, um, to make you feel better and take you out of that situation that you're in helps a lot. So that's one thing that I can say um, is very, very, very necessary. After that is try and try and listen as much as you can. If, if it's if you're struggling with, with food, just try your best to listen to what advice um, your parents have because quite often they have um, amazing insight. So <clears throat> um, get exercise, uh, fresh air if you can. Um, 
and don't feel like at all that that's that you're the only one in the world i thought that i was the only one in the world mm. for a long time before we actually had a diagnosis i thought i was going absolutely nuts um but i found out that there are so many other people with in the same position and that's really important as well realizing you're not the only one in the world um and also realizing that other people have been through what you are going through and have come out the other side better if you think about it as something that's not part of you you'll realize there isn't anything wrong with you you will have this you'll, you may struggle with it for the rest of your life but you will find ways to live a normal life and so there's no need to think that there's something wrong with you and that you can't um that you're not that you're worse than everyone else you won't live a normal life or- no that's absolutely not true so so yeah as much as you can remind yourself of that um yeah and you will get through it that's the other thing just i thought i'd never get through it i thought there was a there was a this was a dead end in my life i thought i'd never be happy, uh, symptomless, um, normal, living a normal life. And I mean, who says I'm normal, but, um, (laughs) a lot better. And that's the thing. You just got to realize that despite how you feel right now, we're tempted to think that this is it. My life's not going to get better. I'm not going to improve. My health's never going to go up. It is seriously. It is. All right. Next question is actually, there's a few people have asked how long did it take you to start feeling better? once you started gaps um so initially there was there was a lot of relief from the um (laughs) not to get off the topic of gaps but from the medication initially because it sort of took that edge off well enough to sort of get me on my feet so that i could sort of cooperate and get back to doing schoolwork and whatever else um and my social sort of um confidence i suppose or just just in general cheerfulness and um upbeatness sort of came back probably a month or two into doing gaps. Mm. So the healing was very quickly, very quick. And I remember feeling even early stages, first week or so after the die off really good. Um, I remember about two weeks, the energy levels went. Yeah. So you see differences very quickly. Um, It's not something that, well, I suppose it's different for everyone, but it was, for me, it was very quick. Um, And uh, yeah, within a month or two, I was feeling myself again. And yeah, up until pretty much until I got off gaps. And then a month after that, I did have some anxiety come back because I got so slack with my diet. We we were discussing this before and Isaac can't remember the details, but as the mum, I remember a lot more and probably because I've, it's been drummed into me from talking about it so much. Um, I remember the first couple of weeks he was, he like the screaming and crying definitely went down. That was heat better, but it was like he was walking around in a daze um, cause of the medication. Um, he was very zoned out a bit. Um, but he's picked up really like, I reckon around the two week mark, he started to really pick up and you started to see him laughing and smiling and, um, joking around. And that started to come back about then with his energy levels and stuff picking up. Um, how old were you when you started work? When you started um, No, I was 13, turning 14 the next weekend. So that would have been... So I was 13 for two days, my first two so days So you would have work. had probably a good six months of gaps by then, is that right? I would. I had about nine months-ish of gaps. So it was July of 2015 that I started Oh, okay. I was spa, thinking it was earlier. And it was okay. uh, October of 2014 that we started gaps. Mm. So about... Um, yeah, about nine months. Okay. And then he started, he had a, got a job and um, part-time, um, casual. and um, Weekend work. Yeah, and did really well with it. So, 
Yeah, it takes time. Like, don't expect to be completely well overnight. Like, it takes time to start seeing the changes kick in. But I do remember at about six-month mark um, saying to the psychologist, he's improved so much, but I'm really scared that it's just the medication. And if we take him off the medication, he's going to go right back to where he was. And she said, no, it's not just the medication. She said, usually the doctor's doubled the dose by now. He's doing really well because of the other things you're doing. And he was skipping sections of his CBT training um, because he just was going forward in leaps and bounds. And she was determined, she was adamant that it wasn't the medication that caused him to um, go so quickly um, through the healing stages and like improving so quickly. Yeah, so that's good. All right, um, let's see, what else have we got here? Okay, so one lady's asked about how you go when you've got about 10 accepted foods um, that your child will eat, how you change that. We didn't ever have that problem, so really that's something that we've talked about in podcasts about fussy kids and kids with um, developmental disorders and stuff. So I'll put the links to those below because it would be better to listen to those ones. Um, where I've talked with an occupational therapist who's a GAPS practitioner and I've talked with a um, specialist in helping fussy kids. But my main tip would be to start getting those healing foods in just slowly with before taking out all their favourite foods, just start bringing in some meat stocks, um, even if it's just adding bits to food, um, start bringing in a little bit of the juice from sauerkraut, just a few drops here and there in their food. So things like that will start to change the microbiome and start to heal the gut and um, will begin to change their taste. So I will put links below to much more information on that. Okay, so Philippa says, thanks, Isaac, for agreeing to do this. My question is, what would you say to a young person who doesn't think that gut health or diet has anything to do with mental health? So I've dealt with a lot of people like that, um, my own friends. and um, Actors. Well, some of them even now. Um, And it's a lot of times it's because they've never had a health problem that they have associated with diet. They've never had something that's sort of been a wake up call to them. Quite often it's, it's going to be down the track further. If at all, some people are lucky, Um, but you just kind of have to be able to ignore it because they're going to, they're not going to, every time you bring up health, every time you bring up your journey, uh, what you believe has helped you, um, what has helped you, they're going to, um, they're going to, you know, say something passive aggressive or they're going to, well, not always, but they're going to find it cringy and roll their eyes. <laughs> they'll roll their eyes. <laughs> and, um, you just have to be able to, you know, not let, you got to try. As my mum says, water off a duck's back. <laughs> right. Don't let it bother you too much because, um, they unfortunately will probably realize that at some point, um, hopefully not, but <laughs> At least if they could get on board, that would be good. But yeah, some people it's, it's to do with the fact that they've never really had an experience that's taken them down that journey, down I'm, that road. I'm not sure she may mean if it's her own young person who doesn't agree with her that gut health and diet will help their mental health. Um, so as a mum, do you want me to answer that? Yeah, I think it's probably better. If yeah, you answer that. Um, I would just be bringing in the healing foods um, little by little into the family diet without even making a big deal of them. Um, if you can, when, 
You know, there's there's what they call in parenting teachable moments where um, your child is really open to you and you're having a good conversation and the attitude is good and you're feeling close. Sometimes that's a good time to have a gentle chat about something that say, you know, like, um, I just want to explain why I'm doing this or why, whatever. But as the, as it comes up in a conversation at the right time, explain things. Um, other than that, you just do your quiet persistence. This is, this is my, my, um, catchphrase for life. I think quiet persistence, just keep bringing in those healing foods, um, and just keep, as the opportunities arise, explaining how they can help, but not in a nagging way, just when it's the right time. And really... Um, it, it, yeah, they may be resistant to it at first, but you kind of just have to show them that it's... I don't know what I'm talking about. What you can do also is go online, find stories like Isaac's, um, read them out to them. This is one thing that I did when Isaac was really bad right at the start and he would just he would just lay there screaming and crying all the time. And I started searching the internet for stories of people with OCD who had healed and come, well, you know, learnt to deal with it, but also come out of it by working on natural health. And so I would, I started reading him those stories. And I remember one day he was laying on the floor crying and I started reading him this guy's story who like really worked through OCD and come out the other side had a normal life, had a job and was doing really well. And Isaac stopped crying like that. And he sat up and he said, you mean you can get over this? And I said, yes. I don't remember saying that, but um... I remember it so clear. And it was like a tap switched off and he hopped up and he was like, oh, okay. And he stopped crying like that. And I feel like that was the turning point because he was realizing that there was hope. Like he said earlier, um, when you think you're the only one and that there's nothing that can be done and you feel hopeless, um, that's a terrible place to be. Mm-hmm. But when you realize, oh, people do heal from this, people can get through this I think so and have much, a normal life, that's, that's so important help. to get a diagnosis as well because once you know what you're dealing with, um, you'll be able to find people with similar stories. Mm-hmm. And that was the problem with me at first. I, I didn't realize we didn't what, know what I it was had because it was just it was just this strange superstitious behavior that I had. Um, and we knew no one almost ritualistic and it became, we knew, yeah, exactly. Because I mean, when you say OCD, people say, oh, keeping your room clean and washing your hands hands a lot. (laughs) Um, the sort of more OCPD associated symptoms, uh, Mm. not symptoms, but yeah, characteristics. And then, you know, it, it ended up being a lot of research that you took on to figure out that that Mm. is actually, you know, people have different symptoms with OCD. It's not just. And you had pretty much all of them. <laughs> oh. Well, yeah, it did make a gigantic difference for mm-hmm. Isaac and a lot of other people. Yep. So I think sharing stories from other people really helps. 100%. Yep. Um, okay. Lisa says she would love some advice on how to help teenagers move to gut-friendly foods. Um, making healthy swaps, like as a mum cooking for teenagers – um, making healthy swaps in your meals as much as possible and getting those healing foods in. I will link to a couple of things in the notes, um, but this is like a whole another subject. It's like an actual talk that I do where I talk about how to 
um, swap out the less healing foods for the more healing foods and um, maybe I could find you some links to where I've talked about that already and I'll put it in the notes below. Okay, so Isaac, what were the earliest symptoms you experienced and how old were you and how did you recognize that things weren't normal and anxiety? So first symptoms um, that I noticed, um, the ones that other people noticed were a little earlier on, but the first ones that I noticed were back in, I think, October-ish of 2012, which was when I started, I think I was doing grade, uh, I can't remember what grade I was doing, but I was doing my school and... um, doing science and in the science book there was uh i started learning about diseases and that's when it really started happening because i started worrying about these diseases and then that was when the compulsion started happening as well so um the fear of disease was the first obsession that came and that was in 2012 um he'd be because we were homeschooling and he'd be sitting there it might have been 2013 actually working on his schoolwork and um he would have to write in his book about these diseases and things i couldn't bring myself to you know Right, because I would yeah. be worried that writing it down alone would give me that he, disease. He would start crying, scribbling it out, rubbing it out, I would and end I'd up, be like, what are you doing? I, I would end understand up, what was going yeah, on. Yeah, I would end up um, rubbing it out and writing it back like multiple times before I was crying happy with it. And, and my, I wouldn't get much work done. Um, if that was from guys, the time you were about 11, I think. It was probably, yeah, early, yeah which was... So that was around the time that, now I, that I first think about started it, there were more noticing. Things. Even when I was going to school. At Jubilee, yeah, I, yeah, when he started going to school, he would do things like trying to put your socks on, you'd freak out at the... I don't remember much of that, but it was yeah. mainly writing my handwriting. Okay. So if I hand, if I wrote a letter wrong, I would have to redo it, and I'd have to rub it out and redo it. Sometimes it would take me multiple tries. Mm-hmm. And um, those were the earliest signs that I noticed. Um, the earliest signs that other people noticed were when I was probably about 9 or 10, um, I would have to explain myself, over-explain myself. Mm. So every time I oh, would say something, yeah, every time I would say something slightly wrong, I'd be in fear of lying. So I would, I would have to re-explain it till I was perfectly, you know. And he would just go at it from every single angle mm. for ages, and be like, "Okay, okay, I get it. Okay, you can stop now. Mm. Okay, you can stop." And even with it, even like particularity with Lego and things like that, me and yeah. my brother used to build Lego, and he would get one thing wrong. Very precisely, I would lose the plot because oh he was. Goodness. I was very particular. We learned not to give reason. them a Lego set to share yeah. because Isaac wouldn't let his brother near it, and he would put the whole thing together. I would chuck stickers Tanties, had man. to be exactly right because yeah. the other brother is kind of slapdash. <laughs> yeah, we we completely. So that would have been like that way. seven or yeah. So that would have been about. Eight even, yeah, yeah. eight-ish. Those were the earliest, earliest, earliest manifestations. I and also then... remember earlier than that things, looking back now, like um, just he was he was very, like he would scream a lot. Um, he was very, like right from the time he was really small, he would have food reactions like um, from ice cream or something like that where mm. he would be really constipated for a week and really lethargic and just laying on his bed. Um, I remember a friend when he was probably six, five, saying to me, um, like making comments about how he was always doing the sort of like the explaining thing, but always telling you stuff and loud and very intense and screamy and, um, sensitive. And she was just like, whoa. And I didn't know anything about 
you know, developmental disorders or anything. I just thought it's his personality. So, mm. Mm. so it's interesting looking back. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, but when he was 13 was when the really major stuff started. That was, I think it was late June or early Ju- Ju- uh, July. Mm. And I just, I remember the exact day I had some friends over at the time. That's another um, symptom, actually. Well, not symptom, but. Um, Quirk. Yeah, he's he remembers numbers, dates, times from the time he was tiny. I have a lot of gaps though, where I just miss miss things, (laughs) miss miss things out. But I remember, yeah, I had some friends over, and and I I was performing a compulsion, which was walking up and down the driveway. And one of my friends said to me, "What are you doing? Do you like walking?" (laughs) And that was really funny. I remember I went and took. It was about lunchtime that it that it hit, and um, it was so it was so so sudden. Um, because I had about a six, I oh know about nine, 10 month break from when it was really bad in 2013 to when it hit again in 2014. And, um, I remember going, Oh, I'm going to go have a rest because it was getting so bad. I couldn't do anything. And that was it. That was pretty much over the course of the next month was the worst. And then we started really working on it and that's when it started to get better. Mm. So there was about a month of really bad before we, well, she was researching and looking into solutions. I didn't know what it was. Right. That was the big thing. We, we didn't have a diagnosis. We didn't know what was going on. Um, and then after about a month, we started really working hard on it. And that was when we started to see improvement. Mm. Yeah. Once we, yeah, you're right. Once we knew what to actually work on. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people have asked about, not in this chat, but before have asked about pandas um, the symptoms are very similar, so maybe he did have pandas. We weren't di- he wasn't diagnosed with that, but the cure is the same. Mm-hmm. So whether he did or not, it probably doesn't really matter. Um, the cure is still gut health. So, mm-hmm. yeah. What was the hardest part of GAPS and how did you overcome it? Hardest part of GAPS was probably um, the first few days, if you're talking time-wise, Cause just cause of the die off. So I think it was the second or third day of having no sugars, um, no starches, no starches, um, just the meat broths and, um, slow cooked meat and vegetables mm-hmm. was, um, yeah. So I, I had no energy. I felt like my limbs were falling underneath me. It was, I couldn't run out and play soccer. I couldn't. It's like achy flu feeling. Right. Yeah. Probably just like, yeah, like mm-hmm. that you've had a flu and you're really feeling weak before you've you know, completely gotten better. And that was, it lasted for a couple of days and one of the days in particular was really bad. Yeah. I just felt like laying around the whole day, pretty much what I did. Couldn't focus on schoolwork. Yeah. So that was time-wise the hardest. The hardest part food-wise was probably dried fruit. For some reason, that was <laughs> my biggest craving in gaps was dried fruit. Um, and it was the first couple of weeks where I was really craving dried fruit. Probably After because that, we were already a whole food family. So dried fruit was kind of our lollies. True. So, yeah. you know, it's um, still quite a lot of sugar in dried fruit. It's funny because my cravings for processed sugar, cane sugar, went away very quickly within the mm. first few days. And then my cravings for fruit sugars took a lot longer to go yeah. away. And so I guess it's just because my body's like, at least give me fruit sugars, you know. <laughs> and um, and then there was, on, and then there was the, the social aspect of it, which was um, finding it difficult at first to go to my friends' houses and have a social life on, yeah. on intro gaps. Those were the three hardest mm. parts. I think, of starting gap. Yeah. All right, Jenna, um, she says, what would you tell your 13-year-old self now, your past gaps, and older and wiser? Um, that's a good question. Um, not really anything you you didn't tell me back then. Aww. Um, no, but it's, it's sort of more or less um, 
yeah, what I, what I would say to anyone, which is just, you know, hang in there. You, it will get better mm-hmm. because I remember feeling very helpless and feeling like, you know, there wasn't much out there to help me with this that I, I didn't think I'd be able to make a recovery, but I did. And that's the thing I think people need to know first and foremost is just that you will get better. There's it's, hope. There's so much hope. Absolutely. Um, and then also listen to your mum. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh. Those, those two primarily, I think. Yeah. I did not pay him to say that. Well, you can if you want. <laughs> No. All right. I think hindsight is wonderful. And when you've got someone like yourself that has conquered the mountain, I think it's an important insight for young children, boys in particular. Thank you again. I look forward to watching and listening. Thank you, Jenna. Okay. Elizabeth says um, her son is 12. And whilst on a strict diet, he does well, but he's always waiting for the day that he he can finish the strict diet and no longer need to be on it. She tries to gently coach him that eating well is for life and wouldn't he rather feel happy and well than sink back into extreme anxiety and OCD. He literally cannot function when it's bad. What would you say to a young person with very real serious mental health issues triggered by sugars and commercial food, same as you, to help them accept that for their well-being, their diet should always remain pretty clean and wholesome? Mm, Well, First of all, it's good that you've given him the information that he needs so he knows that um, mm. deep down. Um, and he's experienced it because exactly. they have worked through yeah. it. Yeah, and I think um, the other things are um, there are, you know, a few different things that you could do, but I'd say, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be difficult because I know what that's like because <laughs> because I, everyone gets tempted to, you know, join in your friends roasting marshmallows or whatever else they're doing, you know. But don't um, worry, there's quirky cooking marshmallows. Maybe but I honey. think if... <laughs> The biggest big step would be if you know, obviously, if if your if all members of the family were on board with this, getting making sure all sugary products and and things like that are out of the house, just so that's at least one place where he probably spends most of his time that he can't get access to these things. If he's like me, which is go to the shop after work and get something unhealthy, just I guess all you can really do is encourage him not to, um, like you have been doing, um, and. We kind of talk- Information is very important. I think that's mm. you're definitely on the right track there. But we kind of talked about this earlier when we were saying um, it was a bit of an up and down roller coaster for Isaac and for his brother because they both felt like, "Well, oh, come on, when are we going to be finished? Can we have this now?" And once they were, once the flexibility started, oh. then they wanted to take two. Too much. Same, yeah, it's just that's just human nature, and I think that's just a learning process. And as kids grow. I think it's so important to realize that again, if you're someone on someone who is okay to eat ice cream and whatever else um, for their whole life, is no happier than someone who only eats healthy food. It's just the mindset of, of um, once you've changed your taste buds, you, you it's the same chemicals in your brain when you eat something that you're craving. If it's something healthy, to if it's something unhealthy, it's just a, a matter of realizing that that it's not actually going to change you that much. Like you're going to be a lot happier if you resist that temptation. But I guess it's going not, to be well. It's um, not exactly that easy to the, actually do it's though, the in practice. Out. That's what it is. That's what it really is. And again, trying to make sure that your friends are on board, that they're supportive of it, I think is so important as well. Mm. It's a hard okay. one. Yeah. All right. So um, I think we just wanted to finish off with some things that Isaac's been learning recently. Um, like it's been really encouraging to me. Like I, I posted on Facebook and Instagram the other day about 
um, how it's so important as a parent not to get so hung up on the food that it stresses the whole family out and everyone gets so anxious that then they do rebel against the healthy eating. Um, like there's times when you have to be super strict, but for most of us, a whole food diet can have a little bit of flexibility and everything won't fall, fall apart. Um, and I think we have to teach them to teach our kids to be responsible for their own health. And that takes time and there's going to be mistakes. And like Isaac said, he was up and down with it and he's come out the other side doing quite well right now. There will be times when he messes up again, just like we all do. Good and bad patches. Yeah. Um, but some things that you've been learning lately, Isaac, about dopamine, I've been finding this really interesting. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that before we end? Yeah. Um, so I've lately just been trying to um, decrease the amount of activities that, that are addictive to me so it doesn't matter whether you know you can control them whether they're not whether you're not getting addicted to them but things that are potentially addictive because i found with a lot of things like unhealthy food sugars um things like uh social media even video games youtube things like that that are very addictive um while they are fine in moderation and if you can keep in control i've found it's very difficult for me personally um and so i've i've tried and figured out that um Taking a dopamine fast, a dopamine detox is another way to put it, um, has been quite helpful for me because retraining my brain that I don't need these instant dopamines, um, short um, instant gratification activities. No one actually needs them, despite the fact that we love sitting down after work and watching Netflix. Um, you know, that's just that's just the way we are. But um, uh, being able to teach your 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 brain that that you can live completely happily without these things is something that I've been trying to work on. Um, and that includes, uh, sugar. Um, because again, I am a firm believer that you can live a completely happy life despite what people say <laughs> without eating sugar and with, and on a very healthy diet. Um, and in fact, a lot happier than people who are in denial and, you know, making themselves sick and unhealthy. Um, so that's, yeah, I think that's Isaac, interesting. Isaac really struggled with um, because when you have OCD, you have an addictive personality mm. and he would get really interested in something and then it would become an obsession. So a computer all my game, time, I would be thinking about um, it. Rubik's cube, which wasn't too bad an obsession. Um, that was a bit more, pra- well, a bit more, it was more wholesome than, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Than a lot of games. And it was, games. it was because it was, and it was less, mathematical. Yeah. Because so it was, was less, okay. less dopamine involved in it. Yeah. It was less of a thing of, all day, every day thinking about mm. my next dopamine hit, mm. it was less, it was more so, oh, okay, if I can get some time into cube today, then mm. I want to happy. I want to increase my And that's, those are the type of activities I'm trying to encourage in my life. So p- playing piano, study languages, things like that, things that I, I enjoy and I look forward to, but uh, dominating my brain all the time. So much dopamine that your brain, it's literally living, living its life just for the hit, next hit of dopamine. Mm. That's really, I think, you've got to be so careful with that because there are so many things nowadays, I think, especially, um, everything's a drug, you know, food's a drug, sugar's a drug, coffee's a drug on a very, very small level. You know, social media can be a drug and you just got to be so careful nowadays not to get addicted to these things because it's so easy. So easy. So easy. Um, for adults as well. Um, yeah. So it's been really good to see Isaac have, I know he probably doesn't want me to talk about it too much, but the way he's pulled back from these things on his own, um, and he's working on 
putting good things in their place so that they won't be just an empty space. So he's doing languages and learning piano. Him and his cousins and his brother are starting a band. And so there's all these things that they have um, to do that are creative and that are useful. And so it's like a long-term benefit, whereas the the games and the, you know, watching movies or um, whatever, it's all short-term junk food yeah instant gratification just as much as you can decrease instant gratification activities or not so much decrease those but increase delayed gratification activities and long-term um progress if you can fit some some things that are more instant gratification in there great um keep it but be careful be careful of addiction because it's so easy um but yeah as much as you can improve um long uh sorry long-term gratification how what do you call that Delayed gratification, yeah. you, the more happy in the long term you'll be because of the progress you've made. So whether that's with your health, whether that's with dieting, working out, um, learning a new skill, it's, it all sort of goes hand and, in hand. And um, what did you find, how did you find that helped your work as in your everyday? He works in an office job. So number one was my sleep. So getting off my phone before bed, that was the big problem. I didn't tell him that. He's been t- she's been telling me that for a long time. But again, sometimes you have to figure these things out yourself. You do. It's, I hate to say it, but... Um, and then you go and go, oh, you were right. <laughs> no, but um, that was one big thing. Uh, another big thing was um, the amount of time on games I was spending. Um, I have spent a good chunk of my money on, on gaming gear. And um, it... Yeah, it gets to the point where it gets in the way of the skills you actually want to learn. And um, rather than thinking about, well, if I do half an hour to an hour of study today in, in Japanese, I'll be, you know, that much better later on. You just sort of go, forget it, I'll do something tomorrow. And yeah, anyway, any kind of sort of, yeah, that sort of thing I think was helpful. It's been very helpful. I've had a lot more time for, yeah, what I really want to get good at. Yeah, it's been good. All right, well, I think we've answered all the questions, so thanks, guys. And um, if you want to contact Isaac at all, you can probably contact him through Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, what is it? Isaac J. Witten. Isaac J. Witten or, um, yeah, even Facebook, but I don't get on there that much, but you can contact me on there. Thank you, Isaac. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.